welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Hello, dear traveler, and welcome to Just Dad's Reading Books. I'm here with my good friend, EJ. I know your true name, and it's Matt. I've spoken it. I've spoken your name, Matt. And you know my true self. Oh, boy, what a joy. Uh, today, we are doing <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin's A Wizard of Earthsea, the first mm-hmm of the earth sea cycle books and as we teased at the end of last week's episode i'm as pleased as punch to be here i'm so incredibly stoked to talk about this book how do you feel ej i'm trepidatious uh, <laughs> i think is the word that i would use i i uh i'm i'm here yeah uh, this is my podcast and therefore i do need to be here <laughs> Um, for this episode, but I think we're going to be hearing a lot from Matt uh-huh. um, as I listen to this book yeah. uh, this time. It's funny uh, how you and me have been doing this. I think it's like the last like five books. I feel like we've been alternating. Yeah. I listened to like, like you listen to all of the um, a series of unfortunate events books. Some of the, I, I I've been bouncing those. back and forth though a little bit on because oh, okay. I, I did right. read carnivorous carnival while i was on a vacation which is our next episode but so yeah a lot mostly listening though and you've been reading them yeah yeah yeah. i've been i've been reading all of them exclusively mostly because i wanted to just prove to myself that i can read (laughs) as an adult uh, i can still read yeah you're still a big boy actually read uh yeah and so yeah but uh wizard of orsi yeah I, i listened to this one yeah uh and you know what after starting it uh you had basically finished it before i even started it and uh, True. So I, I hardly remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was weeks ago, <laughs> and you listened to it. And to uh, the credit of uh, the difference in styles between audiobooks mm-hmm. and uh, uh, li- just normal books, books that you read yeah. with your eyeballs, um, this is a book that I think would not go down smooth listening. I think if I had listened to it, I also would have bounced off of it. Uh, similar to, I don't know, uh, There's there's been books on this show before where we both listened and we were like, oh, I don't know, it kind of didn't stick inside my brain at all. And I think this is such a good example of that, which is to say Earthsea is written in a very classical tone. Uh, yes. And I mean, it's from the it's early 60s. This is like 1962 oh, yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and it is written like of like a traditional fantasy book, which I do yep. think uh, in an audio form would make my eyes kind of glaze over. But in in actually reading it in my own voice, my own internal you know voice, uh, it got to have this feeling of like of like pomp and importance and and Mm. legacy right especially because i went into it knowing like i love ursula k Le Guin. i've not read much by her but i i I keep getting more and more fascinated by Mm -hmm. her and this book really sold me on the idea that i've got to read everything she's ever written she she might be one of my favorite authors of all time if i if i like put in the the time and energy for it but i do think you have to read her because i think she's brilliant with language and yes. I think that's the kind of thing that is lost in audiobook format. An audiobook is when you want something that's 
brilliant with uh like setting and and moving the pace forward and and not necessarily action mm -hmm. but like you know i like an audio book that is simply told to right. get all of the the moments across yeah i would have to agree with that i think the biggest hang-up that i had like you said it's such a beautiful way that it's written and i I can appreciate that. Like, there's yeah. a lot of things to appreciate, even in the audiobook. I mean, this is Robert Inglis yeah. uh, doing this. Oh, Robert my gosh. Inglis, who only has done uh, audiobooks for J.R.R. Tolkien and <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. There you go. That's End it. of list. That's his exactly. thing. <laughs> so it's, so it's kind of like one of those deals where it's like, yeah, you're, you are you should appreciate, you know, this is the voice of, of a generation of yeah. audiobooks, right? right. So... Uh, but it is told in the very old style of audiobook, which is there's not really a, you know, there's no dramatization of what's going on, yeah. really. It's just a very dry telling of the story, which is uh, fine. You know, yeah. like it's it's how audiobooks kind of were, you right, know, it right. feels like it's, it's definitely in the old style. But this this book lends itself to that, right? Much yeah. like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Right. Um, you know, these these books uh, are written very old fashioned. I mean, they, they come off as high fantasy. Uh, I, as Ursula K. Le Guin would also say, I don't understand how they got categorized as books for children, uh, but they did. And I think it's mostly, we see this theme, uh, with books basically from like pre 19, you know, 80. Yeah. I would say that a lot of books from before that time period, you know, it, it really had to do with theme is the reason that they got, they got, um, right. you know, lumped in as children's books, yeah. right? Adult books were defined differently, but it was like, uh, but it's like, you know, Watership Down and, right. and, and the Wizard of Earthsea, these are not, <laughs> right? these are very complicated books. They're with complicated themes. And just because they were written in a certain time period, uh, people just thought, oh, anything that has to do with uh, certain themes just has right. to be a children's book. And I, I, and I think that it's just such a, you know, I think a lot of kids read it because it was put in their libraries yeah. as if it were a children's book. Right. But, well, and, uh, and it, and it to, just doesn't come off that way to Le Guin's own like admission. There's a really good afterward at the end of my, uh, mm -hmm. version of the book. And she explicitly talks about like, she was essentially approached to do novels for older kids and she was just like, nah, I don't know what that even means. I don't want to. I don't want, right. I, I'm just going to write for people or whatever. And and she even says, and I'll, I'll read it here. I thought about it. And slowly the idea sank in. Would writing for older kids be so different from just writing? Why? Despite what some adults seem to think, teenagers are fully human. And some of them read as intensely and keenly as if their life depended on it. And sometimes wow. maybe it does. Yeah. What a powerful wow. statement there. Wow. Uh, but yeah, and the, the other thing she sort of notes is just the idea that, too, we're talking, I, I, the, the date was 1967 is when this book came out. And she's talking yep. about, in those days, fantasy just wasn't even hardly re regarded, basically. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that important of a genre, um, although what books were being written in it were more or less considered uh literature but maybe quote unquote she she sort of goes back and forth on defining it but my favorite mm, yeah. thing about all of this is you know she's basically not focusing on the idea that she's writing for for younger readers at all outside of just like it, it being a fantastical setting but mm -hmm. uh the 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 actual approach for what she wanted this book to be about was uh very much her looking at common fantasy of the day which she's a sci-fi writer this is really her this is her first foray 
uh, into fantasy. And she says back then in 1967, wizards were all more or less Merlin and Gandalf, old men, <laughs> peaked hats, white beards. But this was a book for young people. Well, Merlin and Gandalf must have been young once, right? Mm -hmm. And when they were young, when they were fool kids, how did they learn to be wizards? And there was my book. So that's what she wanted to do in making a book for younger people. She the the only uh, requirement for her was that it be about younger people, right? That's that's the only thing that's going to draw a young person into the setting is they just want to read about someone of a similar age group to them, essentially. And I do think that is maybe what uh, is the true defining aspect of young adult literature, right? It's just like, well, it's just yeah. books about kids, basically. If it's about a kid, it's probably going to get classified as young adult literature or whatever. Uh, and she well, just wanted to write the the origin story of someone like Gandalf. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, yeah, relatable characters, right? That's yeah. that's what, that's really what you, how you get into children's literature. Mm -hmm. If you're writing a book about a kid, it's it's generally going to be regarded that way. Uh, this comes off, though, so, so much more like an epic yeah. uh, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, little uh, vignettes into our, our hero's life, our wizard, yeah. our young wizard's life, who, who by the end of this book is not, no longer a young wizard, you know. Definitely um, not. Yeah. You know, he, <laughs> he has seen everything, you know, by, by a certain age. Right. Um, so I'm curious, EJ, cause I think I want to really break down a lot of aspects of this book, but I know because I know how audiobook listening works when you're not into it, you sort of are just glazing through and sort of yeah. half recognizing plot points and stuff. So yeah. I want to get your take on like, just what is this book about from, from a person who didn't quite get their brain into it just like i mean this is how the, the inverse of this episode is the watership down episode where i didn't yes. read all of it and wasn't really clicking with all of it and you got to like regale me with the story so i want to hear your take first and then i'll regale you with the, the tale of the wizard of earth sea all right yeah so off the dome um we have a kid yeah. he's just a kid he's with a family member like his aunt or uncle mm. um who and that's and that's really hard to decipher. I think it says in the book it's really hard to decipher. He's with decipher that he's he's with a a family member at the beginning of this book. Uh, learns that he is magical, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, meets uh, basically a another wizard mm -hmm. um, who is going to tell him how to to be a wizard. Had a wizard. Had a wizard. Really Had a wizard. Sure. Right. So he's like becomes an apprentice. Right. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He the whole first part is him becoming an apprentice but then like acts out of impatience essentially he mm -hmm. he like can't stand to wait like he can't figure out why this this old person who he's with i think it's uh, i don't know how to pronounce og ogion right something like that yeah. um uh is like is just like it feels like they're stringing him along right mm -hmm. and and he doesn't like that so he like steals from them and like tries to um, tries to do his own magic yeah. um, without guidance and ends up, you know, creating something chaotic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the the way that I see this book is episodic. Like I said, it jumps ahead. He's like in school. He has like an enemy there and like somehow summons a shadow. Yeah. I think yes. ha it happens at this point. Uh, and then there's like kind of a long blank area that I didn't pay attention to <laughs> Fair. Uh, until the dragon. There's a dragon uh -huh. that appears. Uh, and at one point, 
Ged. Ged's our hero's name, right? Yeah, yep. and it's his true name, which we'll talk about. But yes. yeah, yeah, there's there's, right. there's names, and then there's Sparrowhawk is Sparrowhawk. Is, the Sparrow legend Hawk of Sparrowhawk is essentially yeah, yeah. what this could be called. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so he beats a dragon, and the dragon basically challenges him in some way uh-huh. to like say his name, the dragon's name, and, right. and for some reason, Ged knows the dragon's name, mm-hmm. which is like incredible stuff. Um, and then like, uh, then there's like the whole ending of the book. He's like on a boat at some point. Uh, <laughs> I, like I remember him Very being true. on a boat. Yeah, he is he, on a boat. Boy, I tell you, there's boats. There's lots of them. <laughs> there's boats one. at the end of this one. Yeah. At, at the end of this one, I remember boats and I was just it's like, funny man, when I you don't say know what's end going because on. that's like the second half of the book, basically. So it's like, just all boats. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've been saying like, and then there's a lot of stuff. You've actually been going through just the first about mm, five chapters and then it's oh, just. No boats baby boats and boats, boats, and boats baby because he because beca- he becomes like a weather guy yeah, right like yeah. i don't know his actual title but it's like uh he's like the weather guy who like i can you know manipulate the wind right. and things like that very right? good so, on a sailboat basically yeah it reminds me a lot of like i said it reminds me of like homer's epic poems yep. it reminds me of the bible a little bit sure. um you know like exodus is a good example yeah uh, it's yeah structurally a good example even though i i, I wonder if Le Guin would uh, would scoff at such a reference but <laughs> um yeah you know it's very structurally similar to those types of stories where yeah. you're just getting these glimpses into somebody's life to tell a larger story yeah uh, which is kind of what uh earth sees about it's it's a lot of it's it is wholly about ged yeah um which is kind of a weird, sorry, I just, I want to say it's called a wizard of Earthsea, So it is supposed to be just about him. But like, I've, I, I don't know. I, for some reason going into this book, thought it was going to be more about the world. Yeah. Uh, and it's more about his just exploration of this kind of wacky world. It's very Pratchett esque world almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So. That, well, that's it that's all i have yeah. i don't know no i, don't know I, I think else. that is a, a a good summation of the of the critical points the what really excites me about this book is how much she manages to do with each chapter i, I think the the most important point of what you're pushing across is structurally this book is yeah it's absolutely an epic um the only details we get are the details we need sometimes it's a really important sort of like almost action scene and we get every mm-hmm. moment of everything that happens and then the moment will be done she'll be like all right let's skip forward like like months because there's <laughs> so much stuff that doesn't matter like well, let's just get to right. the next bit or whatever um and she's only telling the things that need to be told in this story and each chapter feels so distinctly its own i mean honestly this feels like uh to me a collection of short stories about this one character but like you could read any of these short stories by themselves and like have at least uh uh, some semblance of a complete story i i think maybe there's a couple middle chapters where it's like ah this is about what the whole book is about but especially uh, i messaged you after finishing the first chapter and i said that's the Mm. best first chapter of any book i've ever yeah, read it, it's an it incredible the introduction yeah. to the book uh <laughs> it's yeah it's really good to, to like what you said get is this kid he does live with like his dad for a while uh he, oh, and, but his dad, dad is like okay. working all the time like he's he's just a kid oh that's right his dad doesn't have around. time for him. yeah so yeah, yeah anyways uh he essentially my does that not remind you of mort Just oh for sure yeah yeah does, is that not it's very so mort? similar to Mort? and 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 <laughs> and he's gonna get sent off to this new mm-hmm. whole thing he's eventually gonna go to to a school for wizards but before that right the first thing to note about this book uh, especially for its time is 
Earthsea very explicitly and uh, to Le Guin's frustration with later adaptations and even like mm -hmm. book covers and stuff. This book's protagonists and all of its main characters are of various dark skin complexions. Uh, yeah. th this is not a fantasy novel about a bunch of white people like everything right. before it had been. Again, we're talking 1967. We're talking about very Eurocentric fantasy being written. Mm -hmm. uh, and Le Guin is a Euro, you know, writer. She's, she's a white woman, but she's yeah. very actively choosing to go against that. And my, I mean, in that first chapter, what is so cool to me is she's telling the story of uh, his very uh, quiet, you know, village that he lives in uh, getting mm -hmm. attacked by some white kind of imperialist warmongers and something right. that uh, I didn't quite it didn't click in Based. my head <laughs> until the end of the book. But she says, I don't like I don't I think war is boring to write about on the face of it. Like war yeah. turns everything into a false sense of good and evil. And that is just on the face while being also amoral i just think is boring and stupid and ursula right. Le Guin is just like don't write about war that's like the dumbest yeah. thing anybody could ever write about uh but she, <laughs> which she, is which is all of what aragon's about <laughs> yeah exactly exactly dude this is such a th this is such a good like part of our road to pratchett that we sort of stopped doing but honestly this yeah. is like the best first book for the road to Pratchett because this feels like a true, true fantasy novel even yep. though she's shirking like major sort of conventions of the genre so these white people are going to attack and she describes them as to have a have a twist on uh, basically how things were treated, especially, you know, prior to the last 15 years or whatever. She calls mm -hmm. the white people barbarians. It's barbaric that yeah. they would want to do war. The notion of war and imperialism is viewed as barbarism, which is just yeah. such a flip on, you know what we know that's of what it is actually. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's kind of exactly. wild it's she's kind of wrong uh, it's kind of like when uh, james cook got his stuff handed to him at, uh, <laughs> at the cook islands and it's like they named the islands after him after he got his his whole stuff handed to him so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool how they named those islands that after he got the, crushed the jerk, on idiot, and died yeah. and exactly. died in the water and there's a painting of him dying to the indigenous people there and i'm like that's the best painting in the that's world. a cool painting so uh, pretty so, cool they, uh, as Ged is sort of unlocking some sort of magical capabilities within himself, he saves his town from this invasion. And like a lot of the, the surrounding area uh, is not as lucky, but he is viewed as like the savior of, of preventing this attack. And that, that draws the attention of a wizard uh, he, he, or a sorcerer, I think in this case. Mm -hmm. And he, he trains under him for a while, but that particular sorcerer is like, very i mean think about like how weird and tricky wizards are yeah. always sort of portrayed as and honestly that's like the the other big appeal of this book is how everything is like a little trick and a puzzle and it's not action sequences and it's not dungeons yeah. and dragons magic I of just like learn too. to cast fireball yeah. it's always reshape your thinking a wizard is meant to be mm -hmm. wise and you need to you know reframe the problem to find its solution and that is always how things are solved in this book basically well nothing nothing more apparent too than uh and i'll let you tell this story but it, uh, than the the, the doorman yes right? exactly yeah, yeah yeah so that's that's some of the best stuff too the the beginning of this book after he sort of basically this wizard recognizes that like you know mm -hmm. this kid's not clicking with like how i'm trying to teach him i can't change that there are schools for him to go to so he i could just stop and i could send him to one of the schools so he goes to the school on the island of roke and yeah it's tons of little puzzles the the best one being for years he has to train up and uh 
due to some events of him unlocking a demonic shadow into the world because of a grudge. He, he yeah, gets some funny. arrogance. He's trying to mess with this <laughs> other kid named Jasper. Uh, yep. He he unlocks what is going to be the actual crux of the rest of the plot, which is that he has right. to find, seek out, and stop this shadow. Yeah, he um, has to kill the shadow. But before that, he has to leave the school. And yeah, the the solution to the puzzle of uh, of leaving is essentially the school has like a handful of main wizards. There's the archmage, and then right. there's a bunch of like the 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 primary wizards. And I don't remember how many it is. Let's say it's seven. He knows of six of them, but he doesn't know who the seventh one is. And when he first got to the school, a doorman let him in. And he essentially realizes that this doorman is the seventh master. He is the master of the door. And mm -hmm. in order to leave the school, he's essentially trapped at the school, especially mm -hmm. because he unleashed a shadow on the world, and if he were to leave the school, the shadow will immediately kill him, basically, until yeah. he has proven himself. Uh, and in order to prove himself, he has to leave. And to leave, he has to tell the doorman the doorman's name. Yep. And the solution to that puzzle is, as he finds out, he sits, he thinks, he's he, he he's trying to come up with a million different ways to come about a solution, and he finally comes to the doorman and says, "I, you are wiser than me. I have to humble myself. I can't trick you. I'm yep. not going to learn what is hidden. You you have intentionally kept this information hidden. Uh, there, there's nothing I can do to gain this information of my own accord and my own self. I am not good enough. And he just says, will you tell me your name? And the doorman says, yes, I'll tell you my name. And he goes, okay, your name is this. And he goes, you may now leave. And that's it. That's like the whole solution to the so puzzle good. is just that. And it's, so it's such a beautifully, it's like paced so well. Uh, and so much of the book is, is similar to that, where like always the solution to the problem is a nonviolent, think about how to, mm -hmm. to get around this. Um, the other big thing that I think is like the crux of what this book is about is mm -hmm. it, it almost gets repetitive. If I have one complaint about this book, it's that this book is about Ged getting his butt kicked over and over and over again, like very repetitively, like probably like <laughs> nine times in this book, he gets yeah. beaten so badly that someone else has to just take care of him. But that yeah. really becomes what the book is always about is all of these people who are always there at when Ged needs him, right? Uh, the, the idea too is that wizards in this world are like very powerful. They can accomplish a lot and they essentially do all of this stuff for free because the society is basically built around like, hey, listen, you're a wizard. We're gonna, we're gonna watch your back. We got you. Yeah, it's <laughs> because, a great toll. It's a great toll that they're taking yeah. and therefore the the people around them are, are willing to, to meet. Yeah. Uh, their needs right so, yeah. uh so basically every time ged gets completely you know knocked down especially i mean most of the time it's of his own doing it's like mm -hmm. to use magic really really i mean it, it is essentially this is the D, D aspect of it. it's like it's it's mana or whatever they don't need yeah, it yeah, as yeah. such but like it exerts a lot of energy to do big magic and he will be just like down for the count and someone's just gotta yeah. heal him for sometimes a very long amount of time uh, especially when he first unleashes the shadow he's down and out for months basically but yeah uh he basically goes through a bunch of adventures uh that all sort of uh fall under the same thing the the big idea being once he gets outside of the school for a while he's just trying to be a wizard in earthsea right the the titular thing of the book but he's kind of hounded by the fear of this shadow he has been weakened uh the the cool aspect of him being in school and like his his origin story right in that first city is like 
he's people know he's like the most powerful mage that they may ever seen. This is this is the story of a true legend. And what I love about what this book does is it doesn't do the like, I don't know if it's a Percy Jackson thing, but we've definitely read books where it's like, really, are you ever going to like have a problem? Like, or are you just the best at this? And you're just always right. going to be the best at this because this is a book about the person who's the best at this. Yeah, the person who's really great at it. Yeah. And Earthsea is about like, you're the best at this. So let's almost kill you and make that then your core fear in your life to where you no longer can do what you're capable of because you're so afraid of unleashing some other great evil on the world. And that becomes Ged's like main holdback mm -hmm. is he's afraid of his own yeah. power because he doesn't know how to control it. And we have proof of how he doesn't know how to control it. It's it's not, he's not just told, oh, you don't know what you're capable of. He does stuff that's too much and unleashes like a great terror on the world. <laughs> and so must deal yeah. with that. <laughs> I, I like the juxtaposition between a, a hero like Ged and a hero like Sal from Sal and Gabby's yeah. though, where Sal is the opposite. He is so confident in right. his power, right? And, and he's the thing, like you said, it's so funny because Ged is kind of uh, helpless a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is, is like struggles, you know, yeah. there's a lot of struggles. Um, but I love like a, a character like Sal too, though, uh, just to kind of show you the two differences. Like neither of these character writings are wrong. It's just like Sal is like so confident and good at everything yeah. he does. And yet you still love him, you know, right. you still love his, he's you know, still his humbled. Empathy. I mean, it, it, right. Sal feels like he went through the same wizard process. Right. He went to this wizard exactly. school and came out yeah. like, I'm humble. I'm empathetic. I'm here to help yeah. people. I'm not here to show off. I'm here to do what needs to be done right. when it's time for me to step in or whatever. Yeah. Right. And Ged, Ged has that same, like that same quality, that same, uh, you know, just like, I, I will, yeah, I'm the doer. I will get the thing done, right, you know? Right. Um, and it's something that, you know, I think young children and, and young adolescents or teens alike, you know, these are, these are heroes you definitely want to like yeah. aspire to be. They're really cool. They're just like, they're kind of down to earth in a way, but yeah. at the same time, get a little less so. But <laughs> Well, and it's um, interesting though, because yeah, it's, it's, you can't call him down to earth because the book is written in such a classical yeah, style true. and you don't like yeah, get he in his head you don't that get much, his, yeah. but be, They've humanized him so much with all of True. his struggles. Every time he fails, yes. you get a little bit closer to him and a little bit more understanding of him. And I, I yeah. think the best kind of final point of what this book is about is essentially Ged spends a bunch of time running from this shadow and trying to learn more about it. He knows he's got to learn this shadow's name. Uh, in order to do anything about it, right? That's just how this world works. You got to know the name, the true name of something to to do anything about it, to defeat it or control it or or whatever, or help it, whatever it may be. So he has to learn this shadow's name and he spends so much time running from it. And at, a, at about a midway point or probably further than that, he realizes uh, he cannot run from this shadow. The shadow will chase him forever. He must face it head on. He is essentially taught the lesson. There's basically three chapters in the middle of the book that the first is called Hunted, and it's very much like he's getting tracked down. Then it's the Hawk's Flight, where he recovers. He, he escapes, recovers. This wizard uh, from his from earlier in his life essentially mm -hmm. describes in the story of or like helps him learn you have to hunt the shadow down and then the, the next chapter is called hunting so hunted a chapter hunting and that's like the turning point of the book is i have to just yeah. go face this shadow head on no matter what it is i unleash this on the world i can't just keep running from this i have to do something about this this is my 
task <laughs> to 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 handle yeah. this and the rest of the, the last like three chapters of the book are just about him pursuing the shadow so that he can do something about it and and in within that he learns he can't use magic on it he, he's able to get a hold of it at one point he he like grabs it with his hands and it escapes him it knocks him out again but he's it's the closest he's ever been able to get to the shadow without like something truly truly horrible happening to him and so the book essentially ends with him finding an old friend they sail to the ends of the earth. You can't get any further away from anything that they get to. And he finds the shadow in this like mysterious magical place. And I'll spoil it. Cause why not? Uh, the, yeah. the shadow's name is Ged and he has yep. to He And that is the way he did. It is himself and he must yeah. grapple with himself and the, and his responsibility and the demons he might bring about in the world with his own power. And it is all just a further, story he doesn't have to it was a beat the shadow in a in mm -hmm. a mage fight he just has to know has to name it that he just has well, to this is everything he had learned to that point right yes. it's it's everything he had learned to that point point. and this was like i was so proud that this was the one thread i picked up yeah. on the entire book right. and, and it kind of beats it into you the last yeah, half yeah. so it's like you know it's kind of hard not to pick up on sure. but uh yeah the shadow the shadow being him i you know i picked up on really early on i yeah. was like Oh, this is, and I don't know if she explicitly says She's, it. That's I mean, it's, I it's his shadow, right? And it's, it's, implied, re it's referred right? to yeah. as his shadow. So you very much, in, if, right. if you're thinking about Peter Pan at any point right, throughout this, right, you're right, like, right. all right, I probably know what the trick of this shadow is basically. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, it's basically the same. Yeah. Peter Pan's a great example. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so, it's such a nice ending, right? Yeah. To know that that's how it ends because it sets up. I think one thing that this book does really well, like I said, it's, it's, uh, what what do you what do you say? Just so professionally written. Yeah, like it just, is. It is perfect. <laughs> like in its yeah, language, it's like, it is, it is yes, a perfect yeah. thing to read if you can uh, adapt your mind to a classical way of reading it. It really feels so just like of of the stuff of legend. <laughs> yeah, it, it and it and I'll tell you this: it does sound that way too. Yeah. It's just it's just very it's just, hard, hard to, to listen get to. into. Right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's hard to get into that way. But yes, I I love. I love the way that this book ended and when and when that part came up when he does name the shadow I think that that part almost brought me to tears because it's just so like yeah it's just so whole like it's such a you know it makes the book whole yeah and I love whenever a book comes all the way back around mm -hmm. to where it was always meant to go yep. you know like right. sometimes like I know some people are like Oh well, I predicted that's what was going to happen, right? And they, that's the they, sign like, of a good book. <laughs> they foreshadowed well. for it, yeah. right? Yeah, but if it like if it does it well and it explains it well, and then it and then it still executes at the very end, and yep. it still gets you to that that spot where you're like, that's a satisfying ending. Definitely. Um, and I think that Le Guin absolutely nails it. Uh, and like you said, her you know her prose is really great. Uh, I wish I will go back and read this one. I, yeah, I want everybody should. to know I'm going to go back and read this one. And I did listen to it. I just, it's just hard. It's not know? all in there. <laughs> That's how it goes. Hard. That's how audiobooks yeah. go. They are different yeah. mediums and recognizing that I think is the, the key to it. It's not yeah. like, it's not like, I mean, there's plenty of books I can't read and I can devour by listening to, right? Like right. It, it goes just straight through my brain if I'm yeah. trying to read it. And, and then there's some books that are just the opposite that you just have to sit yep. there and read. They, they are different mediums for different types of stories. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved this one. I'm absolutely going to continue this series in, in some capacity. I don't know if, how, we'll probably not dive on like the second book anytime soon. Uh, I do know that the second book is like a different protagonist, but then Ged essentially is eventually introduced in it uh, it's even like referenced i mean it, mm -hmm. it she's telling this like this is all told from 
the end of Ged's life, basically, or, or Ged as a legend, Sparrowhawk as a legend, uh, and she mentions the tombs of Atuan and, and the adventures Ged had to do there, and that's the second book. So she, she sort of very vaguely sets up what the next book is going to be, and I know that three and four, I think, he sort of is like this character that always sort of pops back in as an adult or whatever. So this is the first one to learn who this really important character is going to be in all future books. And then we get like different protagonists for each future book that I assume is always just also once again, some kid who's got to got to learn some stuff. I, uh, I loved this and uh -huh. I loved it as a, I think this is always what I was looking for on our road to Pratchett as that, like I needed a foundation. I needed a foundational fantasy book to choose what all other fantasy books were like ascribing to essentially. And I think yeah, this is it. Like I think Le Guin's writing style and what she's writing about is like what all fantasy that follows is either trying to subvert or trying to copy. I, I agree to a point. I'd say if you are uh, an older person, I would say, you know, 16 plus for this book, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe 14 plus yeah. uh, only because like if you're getting into fantasy late, I'd say this is a good starting yeah. point. But you know, Pratchett, I feel like can be read at a little bit younger age than this can. Right. Um, you know, uh, and the that's no knock on style it. is just right. more approachable. Y yeah. It. Yeah. I think yeah, exactly that. Right. So it's so it's hard for me to say that this is a great entry point. Um. But but it is if you're somebody like me and you who yeah. you know, uh, maybe didn't get into fantasy novels until a little bit later in right. life. So. Uh, yeah, so this is, yeah, this would be an excellent entry point if you're starting to want to read Pratchett as an adult. So this yeah. is for you parents out there who are like sitting there like, well, I don't know if this one's really for my kid right now. It's probably not. Yeah. But, um, but late, you know, once they're a little bit older and, and, uh, and you're ready for them to like maybe foray into fantasy a little right. bit, uh, I would give this one a shot. I think this one too. Um, is probably a good one to read to your kid, which probably. is so funny. Read that I spent first this chapter. Read that first yeah. chapter with your kid, and if they right. don't bounce off the language of it, like right. the way it's told, They're then right. hand the rest of the book over to them. Right? Like, <laughs> and just, hand just, them all the Pratchett books too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Give them the Pratchett <laughs> library and the first yep. chapter of this book, and see, just see if yep. it tickles their brain in the right yeah. way. Because I think that's yeah. just that's the idea. Is this is it's for super interesting. A type yeah. of kid that wants that sort of fantasy novel. So, yeah, you yeah. got to be an inquisitive type of kid for this kind of thing. Yeah. So thank you to everybody who recommended this one. I, I wasn't sure it was going to hook me as much as it did. And I, I'm just like so, so into it and wanting to read so much more Le Guin. Uh, I'm also excited for next week's episode because we get to continue the series of unfortunate events with The Slippery Slope. We are actually mm. getting into the beginning of the end with that series and I'm very, very <sighs> excited to be sort of approaching these last few books. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we are we are reading A Slippery Slope. Uh, we will have that episode for you, and I'm so, so excited uh, to talk about that <laughs> yeah. one. So uh, it'll be a different energy for EJ next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.